I'm Charlie Rossiter, and I'm here with Jason Everett here in Bennington, Vermont. He was born in Florida, of all places, and has traveled around quite a bit. Actually got to spend a glorious summer studying in Paris. Was that 95? Yeah, 1995. And uh, then spent some time living in Montreal or Toronto? Montreal. In Montreal. Mm -hmm. And he's got a new book called... The War of Non-Existent Women and Other Instances. Available from 8th House Press. There you go. And we're just going to be talking about that and hearing some of his creative outpourings. So, welcome to Poetry Spoken Here, Jason, my man. Well, thank you very much, Dr. R. (laughs) You also taught somewhere. You just reminded me of that. Oh, yeah, over in uh, China. In China. Yeah. How did you get started on that? I mean, this, this... Traveling all around to various diverse, very diverse places. I got two words yeah. for you on that one. Cassandra Miller. Oh. My gorgeous other half. She is my muse. She is the one that brought me to the world. She is the one that made this book a reality. I can't speak highly enough of her. All right. And that's all it took, huh? Following a good woman around the world. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. (laughs) So what's this book about? Her. If it weren't for her, I wouldn't have done anything uh, special or wonderful or... Like, I, I... She expanded my view of the universe. Wow. Yeah. How long have you two been together? Almost 20 years. Wow. Yeah. And this is the record of uh, what I thought about some of the things we wow. did together. Very cool. Well, why don't you read a little bit of the uh, of the uh, record? Should I use the Those word? Of you, but, hmm? should, should I use the word muse, or is that as ha- you like hackneyed? It. As you like it. <clears throat> Escalators. One. He was thinking of the act of traveling as a rehearsal for the act of dying, not because of any inherent danger in the process, because he knew that travel is far easier and safer now than it has ever been before, but because of the similarities inherent in the transition within one relatively brief moment of time, the traveler is removed from a familiar context and placed in a context that is utterly alien with people and places and names and languages and alphabets erased and reconstituted because here is not here and there is not there because the twin conditions have reversed themselves like life reverses itself sometimes too. When other factors intervene to remember those which are monuments to the art of forgetting And what they tell him is that he can neither remember nor be remembered, and that if such things fade, he thought that all this was futile, and that the magnificence eroded the certainty of some end to record that absolute end, or to preserve the impossible as against him suffocation in a deserted hospital winks and smiles at him from the depths of an amber glass of sweet tea with eyes that were hers once, and maybe so again. Three, 
striving for identification because to identify is to control and to order is to define and after that manipulation and after that the determination of aesthetics and after that the manufacture and the assembly of beauty because everything about her is a raw force in a prime state still unorganized and without her knowledge and without her permission he is slowly reassembling her into something significant in order to entertain himself and extend himself in the unlikely long continuance of a word-corroded memory. 4. And he remembered that war transforms bodies, and disease transforms bodies, and they remake the world to conform to their own peculiar aesthetic. And how is this different from these impersonal forces that understand and respect his temporary jurisdiction over events? that perhaps take enough time to think with his hands until the time runs out, and then to be subject to far too much impact, other than the resuscitation of the forgotten, because he wants to forget, with no other explanation than to have been exposed to the impossibility that is preservation of the record. 5. To accept is to understand, to conquer is to fail, and to fail is again to fail, and faced with this proof of his incapacity, he turned over and over again to that which proved him capable and systematically disregarded that which could possibly have hurt him, because of the endemic cowardice in the face of the indisputably real that had been the curse of his generation that labored in the bounded set of acknowledged lies and was content to think this pathetic fragment great and left the business of reality to the others. Out of boredom, coupled with fear, they acquiesced, and by doing so they lost all right to constructive action. 6. And then the art ran away, and he was reduced to a single point which was the artificial invented miracle of her, and he said, travel into her, and he thought that there was no better way to say it because she was a vital and unfamiliar continent and he was the circumscribed and numbing death of thought, and that this was his last exploration before the borders closed, and that it would be his own fault if he did not make the most of it here. Now, unreserved, without veilings and constructs and all that subterfuge, and without all those things, he was open and empty, and for the first time he was not afraid. 7. As the black fingers turned her contorted ink-stained pages as she is read against this war, we have the ceaseless celebration of living bodies as she remains the catalyst, as she surrenders her identity in exchange for one of his devising, making and marring, mending and murmuring, but no facile phrases and no enthusiastic lusts can truly delineate her because she is not a creature of symbols, because she has been here before. Pale or dark, smiling or unsmiling, and she has both refused and accepted before, and will do so again. He can remember at least this much, even after all the years and after so much of importance has dissolved within him. 8. Among serial memories of youth was the corruption of foreign textual styles, the unconscious infection of other alien authors of the shared disaster, in an imported order of a striking movement such that it will not be possible for him to register any material movement 
Only within himself will any telemetry be possible, because travel means nothing in this era, because it is now a function of time, not a function of distance, as it once was, as he sits and moves without moving, without traveling, and all that is required is patience and money, and the end is the same as the beginning, with the same decorations of the unavoidable war and the inevitable epidemic, choking the winners and the losers and the designers and the designed alike. 9. And they are invented to define the inventors, forced to serve at an intensity of level greater than that to which he was accustomed, but he needed to be forced because he needed to create them to create himself, and he said, they are our self-extrapolating intermediary. To refine and to need them, he invented their sovereignty in the hope that their oppression would engender the necessary explosion, and he had forgotten already how he would be outside of her presence. And he was immobile, and he slept in order to avoid dreaming at all. You know, your style is um, is actually better to be read than to be listened to. This is a real challenge, I think. You know that. What, you want to read it? No, what I want to say is, um, tell me if someone was motivated, which I think the good thing about podcasts is it is a recording, and someone can go back. What would you hope someone got from that piece that you just read? Well, in all honesty, I would like somebody to read it, oh, not hear, and not hear it. it. Oh. I honestly don't like all this audiovisual <laughs> garbage. It's it's too flimsy. It doesn't have any. When you're looking at it, you get it. I'm I'm a text based learner. Okay, Doctor R. Sure. <laughs> And I will always be. I. It's. This is a quiet thing. It is a non-audio. You don't have pictures. And I realize I'm a dying breed, but this whole uh, talking it out. I mean, dude, if I was going to actually do this properly, you know what I would have done? I would have gotten Kasha in here to do it for me. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she has a nicer voice. I'll give her that much. <laughs> so how did you get into that sensibility? Is that, is that the way you like to take it in also yourself? More so than hearing, you know, like at a public reading or, or recording or something, you'd rather have the person's book and read it yourself? Yeah. Someone else's book. I'd yeah, I, I like reading books. I don't <laughs> like hearing them read to me. It's... Yes, you're surrounded by books right now. Yeah. Here in the studio. Yeah. And uh, you know, somebody read them out loud to you? No, it's just, I like the act of reading, not speaking. It's it's awkward. It doesn't work right. At least not for me, as you yeah. well, well know. Or as well, it definitely makes a difference. I mean, some styles are... Dude, my voice is terrible. Well, your voice is fine, but it's a matter of... of any, the, the amount of information, information density or language complexity can get in the way if somebody's trying to hear it and figure out what the hell's being said. Wait, I thought I paced it right. Well, you did. I'm just saying, I'm just talking about in general in life. You've got this concept of, of inf- I have this concept of information density. And, and sometimes in a poem, I think you have to write a almost throwaway opening couple of lines just to get people like with you. Yeah, but it's not a poem. It's a work of prose. Well, that's true. What should I read next? 
I'll, I'll, that one. Invertebrate music. One. Turn your testicles into Quantico with one quick injection, then after just one ejaculation, condom, diaphragm, sponge, cream, gel, old school IUD, mock snicks, ouse, hun, zarar, yak, baby, go through such paltry security measures like neutrinos through the earth. Spermicide, quick boys. An ecstasy of fumbling, as they used to say. Hey, loot, we got an obstruction here again, and what else? What, and what again? All right, use spermatozoids. You know the drill. Break out the deck cord in composition four. No shit for brains. I ain't a Bach fugue. It's a plastic explosive. Hit the dirt. Kaboom. And <laughs> you hear something, honey, and probably just a touch of gas, dear. Two. You get the idea. Break out of the uterus, cruise the target's bloodstream thereafter in perpetuity. Maybe hit up an ovum, crank up a blastula as a refit, refuel base, supply dump, etc. Armed with virus ammo, so say she's at the supermarket, right? Well, there she goes, getting all slobbery and moony-eyed over the stock boy again. Rev up Operation Green Apple Two-Step, boys. So the virus kicks in, and all of a sudden the cramps hit and waves... And the mood for love evanesces as she runs, not walks, to the nearest restroom. Love is a many-splendored thing, all right. But it is generally trumped by a stream of pellucid diarrhea slithering down her support hose. Three. There you go, then. An internalized chastity belt. Occupy and conquer, of course. The occupation forces would have to earn their keep. And Ovarian insist. Where? It's a go, boys. Take them down. C.O. growling the late great Lee Marvin's line, and an intrauterine eagle claw goes off like clockwork for a change. Ditto various and sundry other ailments pe- peculiar to the better half, troops doling out cigarettes and chocolate bars to all the sweet little civilian cells. Hey, Joe, you got gum? Four. And suppose one fine rogue penis catches him napping. Prepare to board, lads! Swarms of sociopathic sperm race up the intruding urethra, stymie the foreign semen at the source, hunt down the quivering seed in the very recesses of their seminiferous tubules, turn the alien vast deference into the cytological equivalent of Treblinka. No prisoners! Banzai! Farewell, lads! Corner of a foreign scrotum and all that. Units report in... Okay, let's take the whole goddamn place apart. Release the elephantiasis. And the next thing that particular charming philanderer knows, he's carting his balls around town in a wheelbarrow, all because he couldn't keep his hands and other extremities off your gal. And as for the gal herself, it takes two to tango, as they say. It all depends on how vengeful you want your microscopic wardens to be in the instant situation. Brain tumor, anyone? Leprosy? Kaposi's sarcoma? How about a little necrotizing angitis? Mm-mm, good, as they say in the commercials. Five. Of course, ye old killer virus hits its stride when it makes the jump from flesh to word, the reverse of the traditional procedure. In the beginning was the virus, and the virus was with flesh, and the virus was flesh. The same was in the beginning with flesh, and the virus was made word, and dwelt among us, full of disease and lies. Virus verbum factum 
est. All the hypertext floating around out there, pretty soon a good solid print book will be a black market item up there with the Rolexes, gold bullion, and chinchilla wraps. Poor bastard got burned on a book deal, thought he was getting the garden of forking paths, and all he got was a dust jacket and a bunch of blank pages. So, what? Go complain to the Better Business Bureau already. Six. Once it's all online, it'll be as malleable as plasticine. As ease of alteration tenderizes facts into subjectivity. Not that they have that far to go. And these computer viruses are just gimmicks nowadays. Crashing phone lines, playing Yankee Doodle Dandy, all synchronized, echoing from a million pasteboard cubicles at precisely 9.35 a.m. on the morning of Martin Luther King Day. Pish tosh, my young dystopian architect. That's greasy kid stuff. Get serious, and you've got perfect hunter-killer programs roaming the electronic belt of online content. Pick and choose. I say, we can't countenance anything that smacks of CIA involvement in big money stand now, can we, gentlemen? Beep. Hit return on all references to a particular agency in a particular country, and any and all references to combinations of the two references, and so on and so on, chopped away painless, and the rewrite viruses move in. Ah, let's just leave it blank. No one gives a shit, anyway. Half the kids couldn't point out Asia on a map today, so... They know it was dissected. So what? Nothing they can do except suck it. Nothing can be done past a certain point in the devolutionary process as human memory, so fallible, written word, put the kibosh on memory, and now our brains are as toasted cheese when it comes to maintaining crispy, chewy, objective fact. Was it Bunker Hill or Breed's Hill? Oh, time your pyramids. Oh, memory so reliable. Seven. Auschwitz, beep. Democratic Campuchia, beep. Huckleberry Finn, beep. Why, everyone knows that Sam Clemens was a Nazi racist and a founding member of the Klan. What hole you been hiding in? The right honorable president blowing right honorable chunks of sashimi into the lap of the Japanese PM, beep. Although, what I can't help wondering is why he had his face in the guy's lap to begin with. You know they say that fellatio can trigger the gag reflex, if performed inexpertly. Gee, some people will do anything to close that trade gap. Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg's centerfold spread for Swank magazine? Beep! Mixed feelings on that one. To be sure, we love you, big brosis. The towers come down in slow motion over and over. Beep! Eight. Oh yeah, right, I remember. Now the helicopter was invented by Betsy Ross during the Crusades. <laughs> were you really serious about writing before you got with Kasha and all the travel? Yep. You were? Yeah, well, you were what were you doing, or what were you, like, how'd you start, what were you modeling, or, or who did you want to write like? William Burroughs. Obviously. Congratula- oh, congratulations to me. I was thinking that while you read that. Yep. I was thinking you're an offspring of Burroughs. That, that's actually... Maybe a little Miller, too. Oh, there's there's a lot of Miller in there. Uh, yeah. Louis Ferdinand Celine, uh, okay. like all the greats. Uh, okay. I, say, I wanted to transgress, and uh, apparently I transgressed in a non-transgressing, transgressing fashion. If I wanted to actually transgress against the work of William S. Burroughs, I would have written something less awful. <laughs>
Well, that's uh, just it. Explain that. Explain what written something less off of what? what well, you I was trying to copy my hero, uh, huh? Heroes, yeah. yeah. And by copying them exactly, I wasn't transgressing anything. I was just kind of well, yeah. I mean, if the, if this is the the uh, the standard, mm-hmm. which it kind of is among people who know, then I wasn't transgressing anything. I was just copying. I've gotten better since. You're not you're not copying now. You're doing your own variants on, let's say, normalcy. Oh, that particular piece was like twenty years old. Now I mostly write poetry. You have any models for that? Any heroes for that? Nope. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's not required. Just a just a thought that passed my interviewer mind. I understand that. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what? That was pretty good. Well, thank really. you. It was most interesting. And I wish, folks, I wish I, I brought have... some of that poems. Well, folks, if you didn't know what Jason was talking about, I encourage you to make use of the fact that this is a piece of technology, a recording, and you can go back. And listen to pieces of it, or the whole thing, again. And, and let your and brain float with the words and see what happens. So I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this is Poetry Spoken Here. Be with us again next time to let poetry speak. You are listening to Poetry Spoken Here. We've been visiting with Jason Everett, and he's been reading us some of his poetic prose from his new book, The War of Non-Existent Women and Other Instances. That's from 8th House Publishers in Montreal, Canada. And now I'd like to talk about a resource for poets, or actually for anybody. This is not directly poetry, but it's something that just puts a lot of things in your mind that just are very likely to stimulate your poetry writing or to give you ideas for poetry programs. I am talking about Chase's Calendar of Events. Chase's Calendar of Events is a big, fat annual publication, which is the ultimate, it says right here, the ultimate go-to guide for special days, weeks, and months. And I've got the 2018 edition here because my library was discarding it and I could buy it for a few dollars. Uh, The 2019 is available and I would advise you to buy an older one as I did, but we'll get to that later. What do you get in this big fat guide? Well, this is the kind of place where I think it's probably where I first learned uh, that Emily Dickens' birthday is December 10th. The day before mine made it easy to remember. Uh, This year, just because of what year it is, I had to look for Lawrence Ferlinghetti's birthday because I've been seeing postings on Facebook saying it's coming up in March, and it's March 24. Lawrence Ferlinghetti will be 100 years old. There's going to be a party out at City Lights. If you're in the vicinity of San Francisco, uh, you might want to drop by the bookstore and uh, see what festivities are going on. So, of course, we all know that April is Poetry Month, but I've got to go to my Chase's calendar of events if I want to remember, I want to find out that July is National Hot Dog Month. And when I looked at that, I was also reminded, I was looking at the 1st of July, that July 1st is Willie Dixon's birthday, born in 1915. And of course, it's also National Canada Day. Now, we know February is Black History Month, but it's also nice to know that the 1st is Langston Hughes' birthday. 
And February is Library Lovers Month. Now, there are some real possible program tie-ins for publicity with that kind of information in hand. It's got some almanac-type features in the back. For instance, there's a perpetual calendar uh, that goes from 1753 to 2100. So you're pretty much covered there. By the way, I found there that I was born on a Friday. It's the kind of thing you look up on those calendars that go back. There's also a simple map of world time zones. And it's got those kind of uh, chalkable charts like facts about the president, where they were born, stuff like that. The kind of thing you used to get in the old time in almanacs. If you were like me, you probably use almanacs to look up uh, exciting facts about the world like the 10 longest rivers, highest waterfalls, populations with the uh, cities with the greatest population. There's some of that kind of thing in the back. Um, you know, I just was reminded that the uh, provincial flower for Alberta is the wild rose. Does any of this specifically matter? Well, you don't know. If you want to be creative, if you're a poet, you're always trying to jostle those bits of information in your mind to see what will like connect with something else, juxtapose, and maybe turn into a poem. Well, I can tell you, I got this used copy at my library, and it was on the shelf where the friends sell the books, and they were asking five bucks. Now, that's pretty great, because let me tell you, a new edition costs $89. That's right, $89. However, I went online and looked, and it turns out that all these libraries that buy the new one every year have to get rid of the old ones. I guess that's why it's like this. But I saw that used ones, 2018, the one that I have, you could roughly get it for $6. And at that price, it's an absolute bargain. I hope you found this little idiosyncratic uh, idea useful, interesting. And uh, go to your library and look at the calendar of events, Chase calendar of events, or even you might want to get your own copy. I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this is Poetry Spoken Here. Be with us again next time to let poetry speak to you. You've been listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm Charlie Rossiter, inviting you to join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. Music for today's program was written and performed by Jack Rossiter Mundley. And remember, Poetry Spoken Here is more than a podcast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash poetryspokenhere. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash poetryspokenhere. For more about today's show and other Poetry Spoken Here podcasts, as well as our blog, just visit our website, poetryspokenhere.com. If you'd like to submit suggestions of poets or topics for future podcasts, you can send to our email address, poetryspokenhere at gmail.com.